Hopefully you have your Bibles and you will open on up to there, the book of Luke. Uh, Today's message is uh, entitled, The Essence of Discipleship. And uh, last week, just to kind of uh, of do a a recap, uh, we were looking at people who are on the outside looking in. And uh, we saw that Jesus came for the poor and for the ostracized for the sick and for the social and uh, racial and religiously ostracized people of his day. His kingdom was for everyone, Luke emphasized, not just for the Jews, but for everyone. We took a hard look at uh, who those people were in Jesus' day and who they might be in our world today. Uh, Though... um, uh, I think that I could have changed down on the tax collectors. Instead of having loan sharks, lawyers, and realtors, I could have put politicians. That probably would have fit better uh, as far as the people in our day today that universally um, we think of as people that can't be trusted. Okay? Not to put them down in case there's politicians in here. I'm just, I've already put down the realtors and the lawyers, so what the heck, you know? <laughs> Just trying to make it more relevant here, folks. Um, but we, we looked at that. And um, uh, for some, uh, you didn't like seeing that maybe you might have had more in common with the religious leaders than you did with Jesus. This week, uh, I'm going to throw an audible on you because everything that you saw in that video, um, I'm not teaching on that today. I'm not going to attempt to go into anything on that today. I wanted to go back and specifically hang at one verse. Got listed four verses, but it's really one verse. Because I thought instead of us going on, I I was all geared up to be talking about Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. I couldn't tell if I was going to hit on the prodigal son or not, or teach on uh, how prayer and trusting and and God's provision and, and, and... talking about where Jesus talks about wealth and possessions and generosity. Man, there's so much to choose from, and I was going down these different roads myself as I was trying to determine which one to focus in on on, on Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. But um, uh, we're, we're going to go back to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to be in verses 23 through 26 because I feel there's a need to dig into something that's of a higher priority. A higher priority. There's two decisions that are critical in every single human life. The first is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's number one. And number two, it has to do with discipleship. Will we follow Jesus completely? Now, you might think that those are similar, but they're very different. Again, we don't have time to talk about all the instances in Jesus' own teaching about where he just calls it out. These people think they're, they're my disciples. They're not. After the free lunch program is over, they're gone. In Matthew, talking about the sheep and the goats, they didn't do the things that the others did. 
as if they were doing it unto Jesus. And so the first decision that people have to come to is, is a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to make him Lord and Savior of your life. But that second one is, will we follow him completely? And what I mean by completely is not perfectly, okay? And none of us are capable of that. But completely meaning our focus is on him. Even when we mess up, we still will turn to him. Seek his forgiveness. Remember that we are empowered with the Holy Spirit so that we can be a light in the world. And because I just thought it was so important, that's why we're hanging out here in Luke chapter 9, verses uh, 23 through 26. Believe it or not, I was purposely trying to stay away from this passage. It really wasn't mentioned in, in uh, the first video but it's powerful. I tried to stay away from it because I thought it was too familiar. And some of you, as we read it, you go, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing I can do about that. I'm just hoping, and I've been praying, and others have been praying for me, that God will be working in your heart as you hear God's word uh, shared this morning. And so uh, as we look at the essence of discipleship, um, I have a lot of books on discipleship in my shelves. Uh, so most of what I share with you today, it comes mostly from men and women that I have gleaned from from over the years. And uh, sad to say, I, I did not cite very many of them. Just because uh, they, it seems like they're all just so much a part of me in my life. Um, I can't remember who said what. So just know that I claim nothing uh, special or nothing original as I try to bring light to some of these things. And when we're picking up the story is, is when Jesus starts addressing those who've put their trust in him. If you looked earlier in chapter 9, or if you remember from weeks past when Tom or myself or Rick have preached, um, there's this point where after Jesus feeds the 5,000 and Jesus asks the, the disciples, who, who do they say I am? And they give all the different responses that, okay, that's, that's not who he is. Until finally, finally Peter says, well, you're the Christ. And he speaks for the rest of those other 11 disciples. And it's right after that it says in verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, and he said, the Son of Man will suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then this is where we pick up uh, this passage. Read it with me. Then he said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I'd like to read to you this passage from the message. 
Some of you might be thinking, oh, wow, Craig, what are you doing reading a paraphrase of Scripture? I'm reading this because Eugene Peterson has had such a profound impact in my life and in many other pastors and just solid Christians. And he is in hospice care right now. He's about ready to receive his reward. But I read this because um, I just think how he would try to clarify God's word in such a way. He says, then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to, be, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Verse 24, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, the true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and to and lose you, the real you? If any of you is embarrassed with me and the way I'm leading you, Know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed of you or with you when he arrives in all his splendor in company with the Father and the holy angels. This isn't, you realize, pie in the sky by and by. I just really like how he could make that scripture just really sink in, at least for for me. Jesus talked about discipleship, about how we are his followers as his followers, how we can grow to experience the abundant new life that may be ours in him. So the first thing we're going to see is is deny yourself. That all that's said in there, it says, then he said to them, all... That's the disciples in view of this context when, in verse 18, he was talking just to them, away from the rest, the other 5,000. Coming after Jesus means becoming a disciple of his. Denying self is more fundamental than denying things. It involves forsaking one's personal ambitions and desires to fulfill the will of God. It means living for his sake rather than our own. Denying everything is rooted in the old self. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires, or some of you have the translation, the lusts of the flesh, and the desires, or the lusts of the eyes, and the pride in possessions, or the pride of life is not from the Father, but from this world. Illustration, denying yourself, uh, having to ask forgiveness when we just don't want to. I've had to ask forgiveness from my wife. I didn't want to. Okay, I'm just being honest. I didn't want to. I don't want to own up to the fact that I blew it. And I blow it a lot. I'm not trying to beat myself up. It's just I'm trying to be real with you. 
but having to come to her and deny myself, deny, well, I was, I was justified. No, no, I just wanted my own way. And having to go and, and, and seek forgiveness. Or an, another thing, I can tell you right now, um, uh, Lexi and, and my boys in here, but, but my other kids could tell you this too. Uh, um, when I would discipline, um, sometimes I would not discipline in a very cool, calm manner. I know that's hard to believe because you know I'm not very emotional at all. But um, there would be times if Lexi was screaming at me from the top of the stairs when she was in elementary school, I hate you! And then it was like, "Uh uh-oh. Because she could just see I, like, it was like an explosion going off. And I would jump up and Shirley would say, not in anger, not in anger, not in anger. I'm not angry! And I would, man... I'd rip open the drawer and I would discipline with a spatula, right? And I'd come flying up those stairs. Or with my boys when they were younger. I would do the same thing. And you know what? Denying yourself means, no, I don't have that right to be angry. I'm called to discipline my children, but not in anger. I'm not called to punish them. I'm called to discipline them. I'm called to help correct them. But not in such a way that I will exasperate them or I will crush their spirit. See, that's me trying to do my own way and trying to dominate. The opposite is denying myself of the things that that I would really like particularly when it comes to denying myself from the things that I used to enjoy before I became a follower of Jesus Christ. See, some people think that they can just still hold on to all those things. I'm going to tell you, you can't. Jesus says so right here. If they have a grip on you that are keeping you from following His will, you've got to deny yourself. I mean, let me tell you something. Sin is fun. I mean, quite honestly, that, that's an amen right there. Not that we're giving sin. Yay, sin! That's just an amen. Of, that's the truth. And if it wasn't, each and every one of us wouldn't struggle in at least one area. But, man, it's hard. So I have a question. What areas do you need to start denying yourself in? What areas or area do you need to start denying yourself in? What step or steps do you need to take to make it right? See, that's what Jesus is saying here. If anyone would come after me, if you've made a decision to follow me, then this is what it takes. You must deny, it says deny himself, but that's just a translation. It's, it's a real mild one. It's much stronger. It means all people, men and women. 
The next, number two, is taking up your cross. We figure right on in there. He must deny himself and take up his cross. Uh, criminals going to crucifixion, uh, they carried that cross piece of their own cross. Jesus wasn't the only one who did that. All the criminals did in that day. And carrying one's own cross, therefore, implied bearing the reproach uh, uh, and, and being burdened, the burden associated with one's chosen way of life. See, when a criminal did it, he did it because he was a thief. He did it because he was a murderer. And he, therefore, had to bear the consequences of what he had chosen. That's what he chose for his life. When Jesus carried it, the consequences were that he was surrendering his will to the Father. He was surrendering his perfection so that he could take your and my sins upon himself. I want you to notice something in in this passage. Jesus didn't say, take up my cross. Catch this. He didn't say, take up my cross. Instead, he says to each of us, take up your cross. So what's your cross? Well, some have thought that the cross is, is suffering, a reflection of Jesus' agony, that, faithful, that fateful crucifixion day. But that was Jesus' cross, folks. That was God's unique will for him. Don't you dare think that you can take that. That was Jesus' cross. Larry Richards, somebody that I read an awful lot because he has some really great insight into God's word, he writes this, more central than the fact of suffering is the fact that the cross was both God's will for Jesus and the symbol of Christ's fulfillment to do the Father's will. The cross... It was both God's will for Jesus and the symbol of Christ's fulfillment to do the Father's will. So what is God's unique will for you? This is what taking up your cross means. To choose as Jesus did to do whatever God wills. There's all kinds of books out there written on God's will. Oh, uh, should I take this job or not? Should I get married or not? Should I, should I go uh, on the missionary field or not? Should I do this career or not? Should I go to this school or not? And oh, people are stressing out over God's will. You know what? We could just save ourselves a whole lot of anxiety, a whole lot of stress, and just start looking at, okay, choose to do whatever God wills. This, this understanding, it's supported by this little word that's in that passage. What does it say right after that? And take up his cross, what's it say? Daily. Daily. To do this daily meant enduring these things as, as a disciple of Jesus' day after day, having no prospect of release in this life. 
See, unfortunately, um, for, for many, the gospel was kind of shared like, hey, once you accept Jesus, everything's perfect. Everything's wonderful. You'll never experience pain. You'll never experience any hardships. That is a lie. That's a lie. And we see it throughout Scripture. If that was truth, then Jesus himself didn't live it. Because he sure was dealing with a lot of hardships. A lot of persecutions. A lot of times when people were, I mean, man, they were ready to throw him off a cliff. They were ready to stone him. They were ready to beat him up. Until finally, when he knew it was the Father's will and his timing, he allowed them to. He allowed them to. Jesus meant that his disciples had to bear a particular burden that non-disciples did not have to bear. Christians understand this. Non-Christians don't have to bear this. They don't have to deal with the things that we're called to bear. Why? Because they're not followers of Jesus Christ. You are. So, how about instead of us feeling sorry for ourselves, we start looking to Jesus and remember that he's the one who gives us the strength in any trial we come across. He's the one who walks with us. He never abandons us, no matter what we're going through. How about remember that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit? We have God within us. Instead of, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's particularly the consequences that are associated with choosing to follow Jesus wholeheartedly that are in view here in this passage. Jesus' disciples must keep following him daily and bear the consequences of that choice that will involve loss, as we see in verse 24 and 25, and shame in verse 26. Each day, you and I are to decide to do God's will. Not think about it, not rationalize it, not ponder it, not question it. We're called to do it. Am I saying it's easy? No. But it's in this choice where we will live as Jesus lived. Do you get that? It's in that choice where we will live as Jesus lived. And the last one, number three, follow me. Follow me. The Living Bible, I love this, says keep close to me. I like that so much more. Isn't that so much more personal? Keep close to me. Question, how can you and I ever find strength to reject the old that's in us? That old sin nature that still wants to get our own way, that doesn't want to deny ourselves. How can we do that? Well, by ourselves we can't. But we have Jesus' invitation here to keep close to me. He invites us into a personal relationship with him. And as we do keep close to him, he encourages us and he enables us to do the Father's will. 
He provides the power we need to live triumphantly and to grow in that new life, which ultimately is, is his anyway. Now, this is the way the, uh, uh, the both the, the way and the necessity of discipleship. To be or not to be disciples is the choice we face, and on it hinges the finding or losing of our new selves. Maybe some of you are feeling defeated because um, you haven't gotten rid of your old self. I wanted to read a quote from, from uh, an author that I really enjoy. He's a pastor at a church over in Huntington Beach of a small church. This guy's been such an encouragement to me through his writings. His name's Carl Vaders. And, and in this one article, Faithfulness, and, and he says, God's goals plus ordinary actions equals extraordinary results. He just says this as I close. Excellence isn't about the days when you feel inspired to take on the world. It's about pushing through the days when you feel like giving up, but don't. God's purposes for you, your family, your ministry, your church, and your life won't be accomplished through one mountaintop experience after the other. They'll be done through a long series of small steps done with faithfulness, patience, obedience, love, and integrity. And to that, I say amen. Let's pray. Father God, I just praise you so much for for the fact that you love us even when we don't love ourselves. For your patience with us. For your compassion on us. For your unconditional love that always showers over us. Lord, Today, would you help us to to look at our lives and, and see what areas that we have not died to yet of our old self? Would you help us, as this, this fellow pastor says, that just through a long series of small steps, that we can follow you and we can know that we are in the Father's will. I just thank you so much for your word and the challenge that it brings, whether we're familiar with this passage or not. Lord, help us not to be the same as we go throughout our day than we were before we entered in. Lord, may we just continue worshiping you now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.